Even after a loss, things are looking up for the Jets' offense. What's changed? We'll discuss today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to this show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening on the podcast source and enjoy the show, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. The Jets are 1-3 heading into a must-win game in Denver this weekend, but the feeling around the team this week is a little bit better than it was last week, and a lot of it is due to the offensive improvement we saw Sunday night, even in a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Jets' offense looked much more functional, I guess is the right word. And today we're going to talk about some of the things that changed and some of the reasons that Jets fans are probably feeling a little bit better now about this team's chances. And a lot of it goes back to the offense than they did a week ago. And I think number one, you have to look at Zach Wilson, the starting quarterback who, of course, was benched last season and then was exiled to the bench in a seemingly more permanent basis when the Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers, only to return to the starting lineup four plays into the season. And we know it's been kind of an up-and-down experience through the first month of the season for Zach Wilson. Uh, he started, you know, he was thrown into the lineup last minute against Buffalo, you know, four plays in. Suddenly he has to take over the offense. Kind of an uneven night. Then the next week against Dallas, Jets come out with a very conservative game plan. Uh, Zach has a rough time in the fourth quarter, throws three interceptions, two of which I'm not sure are entirely his fault, but it, those really dragged the final stat line down. And then Week three against New England, it was you know a really ugly game. It was up there with some of Zach's worst performances over the last two seasons. And that game really made you question whether he'd made much progress. Because through the preseason where he played solidly, even through the first two weeks, you, there was enough there that maybe you could talk yourself into Zach being an improved player. And then that week three game against New England comes, and he just looks awful. I mean, he looks... He looks like every bit of progress you were hoping for maybe disappeared. And then out of nowhere, he goes out and plays really well against Kansas City. And, you know, I've started reviewing the film. They don't put it up typically till Monday night or Tuesday. Fortunately, the, the film for the Sunday night game against Kansas City just went up last night. So I've started reviewing it. And there's one thing that really stands out for me comparing it to the New England film. And that's just the confidence Zach threw the ball with against Kansas City. And, you know... The Jets got Tony Romo as their game analyst back-to-back uh, -back weeks, uh, week two against Dallas and week three against New England. And Romo, throughout those two games, I think was very fair. And to be honest with you, I appreciated it because he was critical of Zach Wilson. And in a way, a lot of analysts aren't. A lot of guys on TV, just you know, they're afraid to criticize players. I think part of it's they're worried about relationships. Part of it's they're empathetic because they know how tough it is to be criticized by a TV analyst because they, you know, they used to play. I appreciated Romo's analysis. And one of the things he went to over and over in those two games was maybe Zach Wilson was not making his reads enough quickly enough. But after watching the film, or at least getting started with the film against Kansas City, 
One thing that sticks out to me is the confidence he was playing with against the Chiefs. And I wonder whether maybe it wasn't so much that he wasn't able to read the defenses against New England. Maybe it was that he just didn't have the confidence to make the throws that he needed to make. Because when you're watching NFL film, one of the things that becomes clear is that windows are not open for very long. And it's almost like, you know, the way these plays are designed, your first read, he breaks on his route once the back foot hits. Your second read usually breaks like an instant later. These routes are timed up. Let's, you know, these... NFL offenses are so sophisticated these days that everything's timed down to like the second. And there are going to be a lot of instances where your back foot hits and your receiver's breaking. He's only going to be open for an instant. You have to deliver the ball right then and there. And, you know, against New England, I I said this, Zach Wilson was not the only problem. He was the biggest problem. But the receivers were not really helping him out all that much. And what you saw a lot of were windows that were open for an instant. And Look, a confident quarterback, a, a quarterback who's really in the zone, will be able to get the ball to those receivers. But a young quarterback who struggled through his career, who's been the target of criticism, who frankly was lacking in confidence, he's not going to be able to deliver those passes as consistently. And against Kansas City, he did. I think the play that really got him going was a, a throw that I thought was very ill-advised, which was a you know, deep ball that kind of just hung up there for Alan Lazard and I think the Jets got kind of lucky, to be honest with you, that Lazard came down with the ball because it was a kind of a ball that was thrown up for grabs. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, sometimes something like that, a ball that he probably should not have thrown, really got him going. And from that point forward, you saw a very decisive Zach Wilson. You know, and they talk about it, and it's almost a cliche where you just have to go out there and play and just say the heck with it. I, I, I think that that's maybe overstating it. You don't want to be reckless, but you, knew, you do need to be decisive. You need to decide where you're going with the ball. And, you know, in the third quarter touchdown drive the Jets had, Zach Wilson made some unbelievable throws. I mean, he threw balls to covered receivers that had to be placed in the perfect spot. Balls that if they were not placed in the perfect spot, you're going to watch the film and say, why did he throw to that guy? That guy was completely covered. That's a bad decision. And he made the throws. You know, he was, you know, I don't like to say this because I think like people take it too far, but, you know, there's the old expression, don't think, just play. And, you know, like you, if you do that, like sometimes you'll end up with five interceptions. But I do get the feeling that maybe Zach Wilson was thinking things a little bit too, uh, thinking a little bit too hard. Was he coached that way? I mean, that's the question, because we know the Jets got a little spooked his rookie season. He came out, he threw seven interceptions his first three games. And, you know, he was very conservative the second half of that season in a way that really diminished any chance the Jets had of making plays. I mean, his interception total the second half of his rookie season went way down. But the offense was also less productive, and the offense was not super productive in the first half of his rookie season either. And I wonder to what extent the Jets told him, be careful with the football. And it's you always have to strike the balance. See, I hear, I hear the coaching staff get criticized for this, but at the same time, he can't be reckless. So you'll have to find the right most quarterback able to do it. We haven't seen Zach Wilson really be able to do it on a, on a consistent basis, but Zach Wilson struck that balance in that game. Not just that. I mean, I take it a step further. He elevated the Jets winning from the pocket, maybe for the first time in his entire career. I mean, when I think about his best games, I think about there was a game, his rookie season against the Tennessee Titans, where you know he made a bunch of big throws on broken play. And then there was a game like the end of that season against Tampa Bay, where you know he made the right reads, he got the ball where, where it needed to go, he looked like a professional quarterback. That was the first time I saw him win in the structure of the play, elevate his team in the structure of the play call, where he was just making, I mean, the throws he was making in this game were unbelievable. And I think, you know, again, a lot of it's just confidence where if you're confident, you see a tight window and you know, I can make that throw. and I'm just going to let it fly. 
Whereas if you're not confident, you're just you maybe double clutch a little bit. You're you know more hesitant, and then the window's closed, and there's nowhere to go with the football. I mean, if you look at the splits, when Zach Wilson is throwing the ball in like under 2.5 seconds, he's really good this year. When he's held the ball for longer than that, he's not been very good. He's been near the bottom of the league. And a lot of that's just, you know, I think some of that's, and, you know, these stats can mean different things because they're different play styles. There's some quarterbacks like Mahomes who are maybe more dangerous when they hold the ball for longer. Uh, so, you know, you can never, you have to put the stats into context. But I think the context with Zach Wilson is when he's throwing, when he's getting rid of the ball quickly, he's, it's, it's a sign that he's confident. He's getting the ball where it needs to go and he's decisive. And when he's holding the ball for a long time, he's not decisive. And that's when bad things happen for him. Now, here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention to some of the things the Jets are doing schematically. Zach Wilson is not the only one who deserves credit. I criticized Nathaniel Hackett a lot last week. I think he deserved a lot of criticism. But here's the thing. When you do badly, you get criticized. When you do good things, you get praised. And I'm going to give Nathaniel Hackett some of the praise he's earned as we continue this Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This episode of Lockdown Jets is brought to you by Game Time. You know you should not have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes all the guesswork out of buying tickets. I'm not just telling you about Game Time. I've used it. I told you back in August I was going to the U.S. Open. I needed last-minute tickets. It was super easy to use. Sometimes these ticket sites I'll add all these extra hurdles. And no, Game Time is really simple. It's really great. You find great seats for a great price. And you can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. And Game Time's guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNFL, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listener, first watch every day. You everydayers, big shout-out to you. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. New episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday. Tomorrow we'll have our weekly mailbag show, so be sure to send in your questions. We're talking about why things seem so much better for the Jets this week, even coming off a loss. Even coming off a loss to a game the Jets easily could have won, and it's really based on the offense. Jets offense looked so much better against Kansas City. Biggest difference was Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson was the biggest problem against New England a week ago. Biggest reason for optimism this week because he looked so much better. But I got to give credit to Nathaniel Hackett because there were a couple things that he's done that I think merit some praise. Number one, um, the first down play calling. I, I called him out last week. I think he deserved it. You know, one of the things that happens is like Hackett goes out and has a good game and people say, well, look at this guy was so, so criticized last week. And now look what's happening. Well, he was criticized because he deserved it because he hauled a bad game. But on the same note, when you go out and call a good game the next week, you deserve praise. Hackett was way too predictable against New England. I mean, if you, you don't need to be like an expert film analyst to see what was happening against the Patriots. On first down, the Patriots were loading the box, daring the Jets to throw, and Hackett refused to throw. In the first three quarters, he threw, he ran the ball on 10 of 13 first down plays. And then he finally opened things up in the fourth quarter, and that was the one drive where the Jets got, got into rhythm. In this game, he was much less predictable on first down. It's not a case where, like, I'm saying you have to throw the ball on first down every time. What I'm saying is that is I think that some, sometimes you like you've come across these people who think like there's like one solution to like how to move the ball. You, know, you always throw on first. No, you 
the issue with the Jets is they were just too predictable. And they did not have the offensive line that could run the ball effectively when the other team's expecting the run. In this game against the Chiefs, Nathaniel Hackett mixed it up on first downs. They threw it 15 times. They ran it 12. So a good mix, kind of keeping Kansas City off balance. And you can kind of see that, at least on the preliminary view of the film. And why is this important? Because when the Jets kept running the ball on first down against New England, they got into bad downs and distances. They got into situations where they had to throw it. And those are the situations you want to keep a young quarterback who's still learning his way, Zach Wilson, out of. That's a key. And in this game, when they threw on first down, you know, they, when they were keeping the Chiefs off balance, I mean, let me give you Zach Wilson's stat line on first down. 10 of 14, 117 yards, 8.4 yards per attempt, which is excellent. 96.4 passer rating. And by the way, the Jets ran the ball effectively on first down. They averaged 7.6 yards per attempt running the ball on first down. So, I mean, they did, in fact, on four of their 12 first down rushing attempts, they picked up another first down. So four of their 12, uh, you know, four of their 12 attempts gained at least 10 yards on the ground. So Jets did a really good job keeping them off balance. So full credit to Hackett. Something needed to change. He changed it. I think you also look to the offensive line. Now the Jets had to reshuffle their offensive line with Dwayne Brown out. I think the, the new line's been better. I think we can go a little crazy. I think we can go a little overboard on how it's been. But there's no question this offensive line has looked improved since they made the changes when Dwayne Brown went to IR, which is not easy because you essentially required three guys to change positions. Joe Tipman, who's really been a center from I mean, I was a rookie, but Joe Tipman, who's really a center, is playing right guard. Elijah Barrett Tucker, who's been playing guard the last two years, moves to tackle. Makai Becton, who's trained this season, does have experience at left tackle, but really trained this season to be a right tackle, moves over to the left tackle. But there was another subtle adjustment Hackett made, and I have to give him credit because he did this before week three, and this was like one of the points where the Jets started protecting the passer better. Hackett started leaving more guys in. And, you know, I, I don't know. Week one's difficult because week one, the game plan for Aaron Rodgers. But the Jets essentially, you know, there were, there were points week one where the Jets loaded the field with tight ends, but they ran the ball all the time. I'll tell you, let me get, let me give you the numbers. And maybe, maybe it was partially Rodgers going out of the lineup, although week two, they kind of showed the same traits. The Jets were not leaving extra blockers in the first two weeks. In fact, they averaged 0.17 extra. So when we talk about like n- number of times blo- blocks were passing a block, uh, I'm sorry, you left a tight end or a running back in on a passing attempt. They did that 0.17 per play, essentially 0.17 extra blocker per play the first two weeks. We're up to 0.5 weeks three and four. So essentially, every we went we go from having like an extra blocker in one out of every five plays to one out of every two plays. And I think, that, I think that's helped things out. I think that's something that's been really helpful. And the other aspect of this, and maybe this is Zach Wilson specific, you know Zach Wilson, he's still learning. He's not going to be able to see the full field like Aaron Rodgers. Like when Aaron Rodgers is out there, all five receivers are an option because he can see the whole field. With Zach Wilson, he, he's got a more limited field vision. So, you know, maybe maybe if he's got, his, maybe if he's got like four receivers to his right on, on a play, pre-snap he may just like the matchup on his left where it's one-on-one but he's not going to be able to see the full field after the snap. So what they're doing is they're kind of simplifying the reads, I think, to an extent, because they're not sending as many guys out into a pattern. You know, there's there are a lot more situations where there's maybe one or two extra blockers. And when there's two extra blockers, then there's only three guys going out on a pattern. So it's a little bit easier for the quarterback to decipher. So it's something that's kind of, I think, simplifying the game for Zach Wilson. And, you know, Xavier Gibson got some playing time. That was something I was calling for last week. It's not the kind of thing that's going to cure the entire offense. But Xavier Gibson, it, it really showing that you're 
trying to manufacture plays. And an offense where, again, you're still trying to figure things out with this young quarterback. You got a speedster. You got a guy who turned a punt return into a touchdown. In this game, after, which they had not been doing prior to prior to Kansas City, they tried to manufacture some touches for him in space, which kind of, you know, when you get a playmaker, a speedster, the ball in space, you're kind of simulating a return. So you're kind of putting Gibson in his natural habitat, so to speak, on the football field. And, you know, I, I don't know if it produced a ton of big plays for the Jets, but it's at least something else for the defense to think about. And then you can run fakes off that. You can get guys, you know, in the future, now you put it on film. You can run a fake. Maybe you fake Gibson uh, left and that you have guys follow him that way. And then you run a play to the right. It's a, it's a the type of thing that sets things up for the future. So I think Nathaniel Hackett doing a lot of good things uh, with this team. But there's still some more he can do. I think that there are certain player uh, playing time allocations that can change. And as we continue this Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast, I'll talk about some of the things I'd still like to see from Nathaniel Hackett as we move past the first month of the season. That's ahead here on this Tuesday edition of Lockdown Jets. This episode of Lockdown Jets is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the NFL action this season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. The Jets are underdogs in Denver this week. Jets are only one and three, but they showed some life against Kansas City. I think if they play a good game, they could very well come in, come out in front against Denver, and they're getting points. So there's no better time to get in on the action going to America's number one sports book. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Tuesday. Talking about what's changed for the Jets on offense, much more optimism around this team this week, even after a loss, because the offense showed life against Kansas City. There's still some more that the Jets can do, though. I think Nathaniel Hackett did a good job adjusting week three to week four. I think there are certain other personnel moves that need to be made. Number one, Dalvin Cook, I think, needs to be benched. I, I just don't think he should be part of the rotation anymore. He's not looked explosive. I'm telling I tell you, I've watched the film. I still haven't super I haven't analyzed the week four film in a super detailed way, but the first three weeks it was pretty obvious. You know, he's not running the plays as they're designed to be blocked. He's trying to bust a lot outside. I mean, there are situations where he can lower his shoulder, maybe pick up three yards. He's trying to bust them outside. And I think like the speed's just not there anymore. I think earlier in his career, some of the plays he was trying to break outside could turn into big runs. I mean, look, at this point, we're a month into the season. I think we've got a pretty good sample size on Dalvin Cook. And I have to say, you know, he was the guy I advocated signing. I think I was wrong on that one. I think I think I got that one wrong. You know, last year I saw enough speed on the film with Minnesota. He was still producing big plays at a high clip. But it's always dangerous when you get these running backs in their mid to late 20s because it can go off. It can, it can all go in a hurry. And, you know, the other aspect of this is I wasn't sure if Brees Hall would be ready. You know, there, there was a lot of question. Brees Hall, you have to remember, Brees Hall was on the physically unable to perform list for a good chunk of training camp. So it was not entirely clear that Brees was going to be good to go at the start of the season. And Brees Hall is like breaking big runs left and right for this team. So, you know, Dalvin Cook's just not giving you anything. He has one of the lowest success rates in the NFL, which is do you get enough yardage for a play to be considered a success? And the threshold for that can change based on what down it is. He's got one of the lowest success rates in the NFL. He's not producing big runs at any to any degree. It's just not working for him. I mean, I think it's time to see what Izzy Abanaconda can offer because you know what you're getting from Dalvin Cook, and that's not much. Um, I think Jets increased Jeremy Ruckert's snap total this past week. I mean, to me, he looks increasingly like the best tight end on the roster. A good blocker. He's really developed in that area. 
In fact, when they drafted him, I felt like people were maybe overselling him as a blocker. I felt like his blocking needed development. I felt like his technique was not all the way there. I think between years one and two, based on what I'm seeing, the technique is better. You know, Uzama actually had a good game on Sunday. Um, you know, Conklin, Conklin's Conklin. I guess he had a few catches. But, you know, this tight end group for the Jets, these two veterans, they, they're they very expensive. I don't know that they're that good. So, I mean, that's – I think Rooker's the best tight end on the, on the roster right now. And I know, you know, maybe he's not going to be the most dynamic receiving option, but, you know, neither are Conklin or Uzama. I think as the season goes forward, Rucker should step into the number one tight end role. And then a guy that I don't love, Nicole Hardman. This was a guy that did, still does not get seeing much playing time on offense at the expense of Randall Cobb. And I know Randall Cobb had like that one catch where he stuck the ball over the marker and Collinsworth went crazy. Randall Cobb is just very limited at this point in time. He's not really going to give you much. I mean, occasionally, like he's a professional. He knows how to run routes. He knows how to find the soft spot in the zone. But for a pure slot receiver, I just don't know how much value that provides. Hardman is a guy who, will be honest, did not have a lot of success with Kansas City playing in that ridiculous offense with Reed and Mahomes. So my my hopes for Hardman are pretty low. But one thing I do know, I think he's more dynamic than Randall Cobb right now. I think he offers more than Randall Cobb. So I think most of Randall Cobb's snaps should go to Hardman. I think at this point, Randall Cobb's a locker room guy. Maybe you give him a couple snaps a game. On like a third and three, maybe you like stick him in the slot and he'll know like how to find the soft spot in the defense. But I don't think he's giving a whole lot else. So, and I think, you know, Hardman at speed, if nothing else, he gives you a little bit more in that department. He can produce a big play. I don't want to overstate it because I don't think he produces enough big plays, but especially for the salary he's making, but I think he gives you much more than Randall Cobb. And he's at least a guy the defense has to account for. You can stick him outside, maybe, maybe more than you can with Randall Cobb. And he gives, there's more, more dynamic aspects of his game. And you, know, you could run you could run some manufactured touches for him because with his speed, he is a threat to make a big play. And maybe him and Gibson on the field at the same time would give the defense something to think about. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find the show. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. Send in your mailbag questions.